Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Celtics Stuff Live debuted as a pre-recorded podcast in January of 2006 with host Jim J.B. Metz and Justin Jughead Poulin. After two practice attempts in June of 2006, the first live broadcast aired on draft night and lasted five and a half hours featuring John Duke, who would join CSL as a third full-time host later that summer. In the ensuing months, Celtic Stuff Live established a large internet following by filling a void for fans around the world. While the other New England sports franchises were collecting championships, the Celtics were largely an afterthought on the Boston sports scene. The next year, in 2007, the Celtics took another hit as they fell to the fifth overall pick in the draft lottery after a disappointing season. This was devastating news for Celtics fans. Similar to the prospects in this year's draft, Odin and Durant were the clear franchise-altering selections with the top two overall picks. But Danny Ainge would have to look in another direction to bring the organization back into contention for banner number 17. That night, Celtic Stuff Live was scheduled to air for six straight hours, packed with guests from traditional and new media. The show ran over by 49 minutes thanks to a bonus interview with Mike Gorman. It was a defining moment for the only toll-free call-in webcast produced specifically for Celtics fans. As we approach what could be another pivotal moment in Celtics draft night lore, we will look back on the night that changed everything. The first step in a remarkable transformation process which saw the Celtics rise from almost worst to first, ultimately leading us all to believe that anything is possible. Maybe we could uh, kind of review here and, and to go back to some of our thoughts on this you know, deal. I, I guess one thing that, you know, right now where I stand on this is I'm undecided. <laughs> I'm going to sit right on that fence. I want to see what happens on July 1st. I'm very unhappy with, with the fact that none of the needs were dealt with tonight. Big Baby does not do a lot for my my own uh, uh, concerns. The idea is that you're going to supposedly deal with maybe you do best player available in your draft. Your trades are supposed to how, supposed to be how you take your team and, and fill needs. This is a trade that didn't do that. It, it added more more talent, which you need. The need is is not is not necessarily in the backcourt. We got more more guys in the backcourt. We know what to do with. So until right. I, until we know what's happening, that you know that's that's where I stand at least. Welcome to the third and final episode of the Celtic Stuff Live 2007 Draft Night Revisited. In this podcast, you will hear from the bloggers and members of the emerging new media. 
Remember that, in the mid-2000s, podcasting was just gaining popularity, and many teams were not granting credentialed access to internet outlets not established in traditional media. This episode closes with the entire late-night interview with Mike Gorman as the show went into overtime. With the NBA Draft on tap for tonight, we hope you have enjoyed this special primer series. Don't forget to join us this evening as we resurrect Celtic Stuff Live's draft night coverage on CLNS Radio. Also, be sure to check out our sponsor, FanEssentials.net. All you do is pick your favorite sports team, and every month you get your team gear shipped right to your door. They find sports gear so you don't have to, and each fan box comes fully packed with some amazing gear. It makes a great gift idea for any sports fan. Prices start at just $34.99 a month, and you can support Celtic Stuff Live and save 30% on your first month of your subscription by using promo code CSL2016 at the checkout. Go to fanessentials.net to get all the essentials you need. And also, Celtic Stuff Live will be giving away one free month each week to our listeners. Just retweet any of our show announcements with hashtag fanessentials. Going to the Boston Globe uh, and their Celt- on their Celtics blog, quote and quote unquote. In there, I just let me just run down the basics on this. And, and Sam Presti, who's actually a Massachusetts native, who's the new GM over there, his first the first quote that stands out that he said, "Boston really pursued this. What started as a smaller conversation became fulfilled. Their pursuit was impeccable." This is Allen. I wasn't surprised," said Allen, who learned yesterday that a Seattle-Boston deal was becoming increasingly likely. I took it in stride. I know the team has been floundering in this Northwest the last couple seasons. It almost seemed appropriate for a change at this point. It seems like this organization is heading in a different direction and uh he talks a little bit a little bit about this uh one last thing that talking about how he fits here uh we both can score talking this talk about paul pierce he says i can be part of providing leadership giving paul that help we both can score but i don't think we have to have the ball in our hands to score i can score without the ball i can score different ways the ball doesn't have to be in my hands. I have a responsibility when I'm on the floor to know what every other player can do and put them in good situations. Joining us now is Alec from Celtics 247. Alex, how are you this evening? I'm doing great, and I'm so happy about this uh, this surprise that we have here. Excellent. So you, you like the trade? I, I absolutely do like the trade because going in tonight, I personally did not want to just make a pick and get out of here, and I had full confidence that Danny would... Would do more than that and this is a lovely surprise because it makes us you know i think atlantic division champs if we stay put and it uh it keeps paul pierce happy and i think uh that's one of the number one priorities that's a good point i think with the poll that was run on uh, on bostonherald.com last week about whether would you rather see al jefferson and number five head out in favor of uh Kevin Garnett and is overwhelmingly against that and I made the point this weekend that perhaps you could argue that Paul Pierce wanted to get out of town could that be turned into a we'd rather see Al Jefferson here than we would rather see Paul Pierce here and that that Al Jefferson should be the you know the focal point of, of the franchise for the future and I take it from from your comments Alex that you don't necessarily buy into that 
idea. Well, I think we've seen the genius of Danny Ainge right here is that he keeps both Paul Pierce and Al Jefferson. And, uh, you know, I have a feeling, as as everyone in the pit right now does, um, that this is certainly not the last move. Um, I don't know if, if it's going to be a minor move like trading a second rounder and maybe another young guy to, uh, to get a late first rounder here. I don't know if it's going to be that or if it's going to be Kevin Garnett. But whatever it is, um, we're certainly not done right now. And, and that's what's the most exciting part. We have two second rounders. Um, you know, I'm hoping for a steal. And I know if anyone's capable of a steal, it's Danny Ainge. What about the, the, the question of the big man? You know, right now, that's to me, that's the biggest downside of this trade is that you use three assets and you didn't get back one person who either fills a defensive need or a, uh, a post presence for the team. What do you think? Well, you have to remember that we still have Theo Ratliff's contract, um, and that's probably the biggest trade chip um, in the NBA this offseason. And I just, uh, there's no way I don't think we're going to keep uh, Theo Ratliff. And, you know, whether it's using him for a veteran, um, I don't think we're going to stay put at all uh, in terms of big men. I don't know if we're going to sign a veteran or if we're going to move up in the draft to get someone. And, and don't forget, I mean, Al Jefferson is, is filling out, you know, 35 minutes a game minimum at one of those positions. And, you know, you still have Perk, you still have Gomes, and a lot of people still like Perkins as as a starter. You know, just, just ask uh, FL Celts fan. She'll tell you. And, I, and, you know, she'll say that Perk will break out. And I don't know what you mean by break out because he's kind of steadily progressed. But, you know, I think Perk is going to be a solid uh, center next year. I don't know if that's the guy we want, you know, for the future, forever. And obviously we didn't get Robert Swift, which was a bit of a disappointment. Um, but I, I, the big man thing does not worry me quite yet. Yeah, I, I think Perkins, uh, especially with Ray Allen and, and uh, Pierce and Jefferson, we, we don't need much scoring. And I, I love the way Perkins uh, proved his footwork on defense and, and um, was able to really defend people without picking up fouls. He's strong as an ox. Um, he blocked shots. Uh, he really became very graceful um, defending in the paint. There's no way this team can go into next season thinking it can contend for the Eastern Conference Championship without another point guard and without another real center. Absolutely. Well, there has to be a move because if Gomes is going to be a three, Gomes will have absolutely no playing time because there's Pierce, Joe Green, Ray Allen, and, and Tony Allen. There's no room for, for Gomes to play um, if he's going to play small forward. I, I so, think that, yeah, I think you guys are right. I definitely think there's a substitute trade. We're hoping it's Kevin Garnett, but we'll see. You know, it could be Paul Gasol. Eric Weiss was on earlier, and he said, you know, that's even not a bad idea, and, and it's not a bad idea, although I wouldn't give up Jefferson in that trade. But, no you know, if, if you could get Paul Gasol for all these trade chips that you're talking about, maybe sacrificing, you know, one of the nicer players, not named Pearson Allen, of course, maybe even including Gomes and Green, etc., to go get Paul Gasol. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's something that might not be that bad. Give us your final thoughts on what you think is going to happen over the next four days. Wow. Wow, it's so tough to predict right now, but I guess I'll say this. Out of Joe Green, Ryan Gomes, and... uh and Ray Allen, one of those three will not be a Celtic uh, starting next season. But, I mean, anybody could have told you that. But there, there's no way we go in uh, with all the guards that we have right now because you have basically all-star veterans at the wing and then you have guys, you know, pouring with, with potential. This is not the last move. Um, and whether it's, it's Kevin Garnett or not, um, we're not done here. I'll just put this out there. Danny Ainge just surprised us with Ray Allen totally. Um, don't expect, don't, don't try to, to, to guess what the next move is because you, you have no idea what Danny Ainge is planning. He's chicken, chicken, chicken. With us now is Loyalist Loyalist. How are you this evening? 
Doing great, great. I've been uh, hanging around the uh, the pit here, you know, uh, listening to everything going on, listening to all the great guests. Give us your lay of the land. There aren't too many people that are negative about this trade. There's been a few. Well, you know, it's slightly mixed from you know, what I hear. You know, people do like, uh, you know, Ray Allen. It's, it's a good idea to have, you know, that, that a wing player of his caliber on the team. His defense being suspect is one of the detractors. His shooting is, in, is incredible. I mean, just that alone is going to free up so many other positions on the floor for other guys. You know, even Pierce, who normally has to take on that that huge load. Um, as far as you know, Robert Swift goes, though, not not such a fan of that. If that end up, if that does end up going down, uh, I, I really can't see. You know, he's seven foot one or whatever, but you know, he's got bad wheels. He, he just doesn't seem to be a player who's going to make much of an impact. I only see him, you know, scoring like five or so points for us. I mean, we've already got that with like Scalabrini, who I think is even is better than Swift. I mean, you might as well just stick with him. You know, uh, I'm really on board with the Allen the Allen trade. I mean, it's, it's it's beautiful. If we can get something else once they get all the uh, details ironed out, that that will be great. Are there any international players that you've kept your eyes on? I don't, I don't really get into too much of the international stuff. You know, of course, he's been thrown out there a bunch of times. And, you know, we got uh, Tago Splitter, who's been thrown around a couple times throughout the last couple years is coming into the draft. But this is a pretty deep draft for, you know, pretty you know decent role players. So if we can get somebody... In this first round, I would say that we'd be doing well. Not to say that something at the thirty-second pick couldn't fall our way, but you know, why not try to get? You know, why not try to get a hold of um, Tiago Splitter right now? I mean, I don't know if he's about to get. He's got a tough buyout, but but you only have to wait another year, and it's gone. And there's no reason they can't stash a guy like this away for one season. We definitely need a point guard. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's a necessity unless they, unless Danny has something else up his sleeve in, in terms of a trade. Uh, hmm. I don't think we can go into the season with uh, Rondo and Telfair. Uh, right, but at least not with Telfair on, on the backup. I just don't see him really fitting here anymore. Um, I don't. I don't know. I, I mean, not so much just the controversy, just his play. I mean, he shined in the summer league, but then he did absolutely nothing. And I don't know if it was Doc's rotations or what it was, because I mean that does have a lot to blame on on you know the poor start for the seas, I would think that Doc had some pretty weird rotations that caused a lot of, uh, you know, uh, gelling issues within our team, so a backup point guard would definitely help behind Rondo. I just uh, noticed this on the ESPN uh, draft picks window. They have a little T after the teams that have traded that pick, and of course, uh, you know, in the first uh, 10, 15 picks, Boston is the first one with a T, but then you get to the uh, 20th pick, Miami's pick, that Jason Smith pick has been traded, the 21st pick, uh, Dick Hun Cook has been traded, and of course, uh, as Justin, uh, John pointed out, the uh, Rudy Fernandez pick has a T after it, so there's a couple of other trades that we missed up top. Well, Smith and Cook were basically traded for each other, so that was Miami to, okay. as Cook, and now and now Philly has Smith. Thank you. Those are the principles, yeah. at least. We we didn't get to it because we had we got busy and talking about everything under everything else under the sun. But um, anyway, go right ahead. Sorry, JB. Yeah, no, that that was my point. And uh, you know, uh, we're waiting for thirty uh, two and uh, thirty five. You got any uh, ideas, Lloyd? Anybody you're looking at? Uh, I don't. You know, that far down in the draft, kind of hard to tell. Uh, you know, who 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 we might get. Uh, I don't want to make any uh, assessments because I don't want to. I don't want to be wrong and pick somebody. <laughs> 
who uh, isn't really going to pan out for us. But uh, I mean, to me, honestly, you know, there have been some picks in the past, namely um, the Agent Zero and stuff, you know, being uh, a, a major, major, uh, you know, slider. But, um, you know, I just don't really see us doing much with that 32 and 35th, if that's what it turns well, out to I be. Well, t- I think there are going to be some players there. And, you know, yeah. somebody, if he's still available, is that Nick Fazekas. You know, I, I think he got a bad rap. He plays in a weak conference. But, you know, Hollinger had a nice article recently, and Draft Expe- Express has been touting uh, some things statistically and what they've seen in workouts. And I think he could be a steal. Um, you know, I'm kind of a, I've been hearing things that he's definitely going to go in the first round, but you just never know. He's, he's obviously right on the bubble of the first round. Um, he hasn't been picked yet, I don't believe, and we're on pick 25, so he's only going to slide seven more spots for the Celtics to be able to grab him. I think he'd be, you know, I guess some people probably think, you know, there's no there's no room on this roster, but we don't know what's going to happen, uh, you know, like we said over the rest of the offseason, and it's never a bad idea to try and develop a, a hard-working um, young big man when you have Clifford Ray. He's so let's bring on Tenacious T to carry on this conversation. He writes at MVN.com. He's also known by his first name, Thomas. Thomas Tenacious T, how are you this evening? Good. How you doing, guys? Excellent. Well, holding up. You know, I got my kids bringing me pizza and coffee on the hour. I was just um, about to ask. This is uh, the fourth hour. You guys are doing like a Jerry Lewis telephone. When is he coming on? <laughs> I can sing. I can <laughs> sing and dance better than Jerry. Did I miss Norm Crosby? Has he been on already? <laughs> yes, <Rose>. sir. How about Ed McMahon? Did he make his appearance yet? Hi-yo! <laughs> we, we got Rosemary Clooney in the last half hour, though. <laughs> you listen you in from 1130 to 12. Oh, man. You guys are doing a great job. I mean, I've been listening to most of the show and then trying to go back and forth between some of the uh, message boards and see what everybody else is saying. But uh, super lineup. Uh, glad to be able to just put my two cents in for a few minutes, too. I guess let me start by saying, obviously, conventional wisdom says you need a dominant center to win at all. Uh, only Detroit came back and uh, answered that with a different type of lineup. And then Danny goes out and drafts another swingman with his number five pick. Excuse me, trades for a, a swingman. Granted, he's one of the top players in the league. He's a top shooter, but he's now drafted uh, or opted out of the draft in a lottery two straight years, including one of the strongest drafts in, in history. So that actually is Danny doing again the unpredictable. So as far as looking at what some of the guys on the message boards are saying, there's a lot of negativity about it. They don't understand it at all. Um, my initial response was, we're a better team. Ray Allen is definitely a step up from Wally Serbiak. There's no question about that. But how much better, and is there a chemistry issue? They play, he and uh, Paul play a similar uh, role on their teams. Uh, they're, by definition, similar players, although I would def- define Paul more of a scorer and Ray more of a shooter. I've been a Ray Allen fan since the UConn days, so I know what he does and I know what he can do on the on the court. I do have to agree that uh, it looks like there's still uh, defense problems that are unanswered, and uh, I, I still believe we need to get some uh, some big help for Perkins and Jefferson, even if Perkins and Jefferson turn out to be everything we expect them to be. I mean, we need uh, somebody to come in and spell those guys for foul problems. If somebody gets injured, uh, the depth behind each of those players is, is pretty weak. Our strength has not changed. Our strength is still 
and the two in the three position, and now losing Delonte West, obviously we have to make a move to shore up a point guard as well. So I guess uh, looking at it, uh, and one of the things I had said, Danny would have a hard time screwing up. Uh, He can either do good, he could do better, or he could do best. At the moment, this is at least a good move. Uh, Where we go from here, it could become better or best move. And uh, in looking at it initially, while I'm happy with the initial move, uh, it does make sense that this could be the prelude to something else. The other thing I want to mention is uh, you had, I guess it was Sean Grandy was saying that there was a deal on the table for Kevin uh, McHale to trade for Al and the number five. I, my, unless I missed something, wasn't the deal breaker that Danny didn't want to put Al into that deal? No, I don't think so. Um, I think everybody understood. I think what the deal breaker was that Minnesota wanted to send Hudson back. And we did that so. Yeah, let me jump in here because what Tenacious T got confused with was the Jermaine O'Neal trade. Once the Kevin Garnett said he didn't want to come to Boston, then we got the rumor about the you know Jermaine O'Neal possibly coming over, and Ainge was adamant that he wasn't giving up Al Jefferson for Jermaine O'Neal, and rightfully so. I mean, the people really think they were going to fleece the Celtics. Honestly, this is this is the most ridiculous trade rumors some of them out there. I think Danny made a wise move here. He didn't give up a whole lot. How do you feel if there isn't a second trade? Are you okay with this deal without the follow-up? Well, that's a good question, and uh, I'm mulling that over myself as, as I look at what this means to the team. My initial response is yes, it's positive, because now you have Rondo with three really good offensive targets. You have Paul Pierce, you have Ray Allen, and you have Al Jefferson, and right there is, is three great players to be able to pass to. Even if Rondo's shot doesn't improve that much, you've got three people that you can't double-team all three of them on every play. So somebody's going to probably get open somewhere if they know how to set up their offense. Yes, the questions still do remain on defense, and that doesn't answer any of that. And yes, we do need some additional support in uh, in behind those guys. So am I happy with the deal? Yeah, I'm happy with the deal. If it stays the way it is, I was hoping that we would have gotten a player more dissimilar from Paul than we did. Uh, I'd like to see how it all plays out. So I'm, I'm withholding any uh, long-term judgment because I do think there may be something coming. The other thing I wanted to comment on is uh, we're talking about moving Paul Pierce to Minnesota for uh, Jefferson. If Paul uh, refused to go to Portland in a trade that would have got us the draft pick to be able to get Chris Paul a few years ago, I don't see Paul per, uh, Pierce being cooperative in any trade agreement to go to Minnesota. Think about this. If Minnesota loses Garnett, who do they have at all in the bigs? They have nobody. That is a team that's going to be really in total rebuilding stage. They just picked up Corey Brewer. They didn't even take a big at their pick here. So they've got they'd be if they lose Garnett, they'd have to lose Garnett for another big. Otherwise, they have nobody there who's going to be a starting uh, pull forward Mark Madison. So I think there's a problem there. I don't see uh, if if Pierce is going to be used in a move. Uh, you have to get some cooperative uh, agreement with Pierce, as has Phoenix with Marion, as has Minnesota with Garnett, that they want to go to where they're going to be traded to. So uh, Paul is a good uh, piece, and he's going to be valuable. I think if we do go to move him, we are going to move him at a discount. But I don't think we're going to move him to a team like Minnesota. He's going to want to go to somewhere just like everybody else where he has a chance to do something. In Minnesota, if they lose Garnett and, and Pierce comes there, I'm not even sure McHale wants to do that. Who do you like at number 32? Is there a guy that you have your eyes on um, You know, at the, the top of the second round? Yeah, I would, again, follow the same thinking that if there's a talented big out there that maybe is a little undervalued or a risk, I like Glenn Davis this big baby. Uh, even Josh McRoberts, if he falls, might be somebody I would consider. Uh, Nick Fasikis is probably number three. I'm not as high on him as uh, some of you guys are, only because of I worry about uh, 
his quickness factor in the NBA against uh, quicker people, but he has shown well in the in the drafts, the pre-draft workouts and stuff, so maybe that's not a bad pick. He could be a sleeper. He could be somebody good, too, but those would be the three guys. He's chicken, chicken, chicken. But joining us right now is Patrick Gilroy. you got to be thrilled with what the Celtics did tonight, though. They went out there and they got the, the second most prolific three-point shooter in the history of the league. They got somebody who's coming off statistically his best season as a pro, putting up 26 and a half a game. And you got somebody who is a perennial all-star and probably a, a future Hall of Famer. And, and what'd you give up for him? Nothing. You, you didn't get rid of anything out of your uh, out of your core, with the exception of Delonte West. And that is what makes a good team. It's moves like that that, that allow the Celtics the flexibility to go out there and maybe piggyback a bigger move on top of this. Because now, all of a sudden, the Celtics are relevant again. The Celtics are a playoff contender as constituted right now. So that makes makes Boston a, a little more of an attraction to the players out there that maybe were, were kind of against coming to Boston last week. Like Kevin Garnett, perhaps? <laughs> like Kevin Garnett, perhaps. And, and, you know, you asked me about it on the phone before we came on the air. Yeah. Those were the rumors going through the garden tonight. Uh, through the people that know what's going on out there is that don't be surprised if after July 1st, Kevin Garnett becomes a member of the Celtics and the trade that, that we heard from the Garden tonight is going to be Al Jefferson, the O'Ratliff contract, and next year's number one draft pick. And that will be the trade that gets Kevin Garnett here. I'm not mm. saying it's going to happen. I'm saying that's the rumor coming out of the Garden tonight. Let me ask you, Pat. Uh, one, w- the one thing that that a lot of people, and, and myself included, were concerned with and hoping to come out of this draft was that the team would address one of two needs. They needed to add uh, an additional uh, solid big man in the front court or address the defense. And this right. move, and they, 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 thus far, this 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 move does addresses neither of those. But right, they, it doesn't address either one of them. And and I don't think Ray Allen was their first choice uh, to go out there and, and get help for this team. However, what you need to look at is they acquired somebody of Ray Allen's uh, stature without giving up Al Jefferson. And, and that's a trade you just can't say no to. It may not be their first choice, and it may not begin addressing all of their needs. But what it de- what it does do is it makes you relevant, it makes you legitimate, and it puts you back in the playoffs next year for sure. It must be a scene right now at uh, JB's house. No, no, we're actually at my house. JB is remote, but uh, the Duke and I oh. live in Maine, so and it is a scene. I'm disheveled. I got to tell you, I've gotten about 13 hours of combined sleep over the last four nights, and I am an absolute. <laughs> I'm a bearded, five o'clock shadow, crazy-haired beast right now. It is absolutely insane. I can't believe I still have the energy, but I'm telling you all right now, JB is getting excited. If you could see him, if we had webcam, which it is the goal, if we could see JB right now, you would see the biggest smile that you have ever seen in your life. He is he, he is he is gripping the mic with both hands, <laughs> praying for this pick to slide. And I'm telling you, he's been calling this forever. So um, I would I would just I would love to see it. Wasn't JB uh, in favor of drafting Yee? Oh yeah, oh sure. Okay, so you disappointed JB? Is, is this a, is this a bad night for you as far as the first round goes, or or are you kind of coming around to the other side where this is a good move? Well, you know, I, I was intrigued by the potential of Yee. I kind of trust Danny on. It. You know, I, I think there's probably nobody that knows more about Yee than Danny. And, you know, Ray Allen, I've long admired him. He's a great, great player. I really like Ray Allen. They were able to get out of this thing and get themselves an all-star caliber player to put next to Paul Pierce without giving up their biggest chip. Or their two biggest chips. Their two biggest chips are Al Jefferson and that contract. And they were able to get themselves a veteran all-star without, without giving up their two biggest chips. 
So it, 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 it's a brilliant move. I mean, Danny Ainge has not made a lot of great trades since he's been here, but this, this one is up there. This one is a solid trade. I, I agree, and they're going to get another move. pick in a deep draft. You know, they're going to also pick three spots after number thirty-two. I thought they would trade up. They haven't traded up at all. They're going to make these two selections, and they could get two nice players. One of them should pan out. I want to talk more about some of the guests that you had on your show, um, Patrick, that we didn't get to hear because you did have. I think you had Stephen A. Smith was one guy that we didn't have. Um, I heard you yesterday um, on Felger's show. Did Felger get a chance to join you guys tonight? Felger um, didn't join us tonight, but we had, we actually had a really cool guest. We had we had D Brown join us for about a half an hour. Nice. And, well, and tell us about you, that. Yeah. D Brown was, was a surprisingly cool guest. He um, he's polished himself up since he got his, his gig at ESPN a couple of years ago, and, and he really brought a lot to the table. He, uh, first and foremost, he, he was able to bring us inside what it's like being one of the invited guests uh, at, at draft night because he was an invited guest, and he kind of walked us through what it was like to, to be there, to be a first-round draft pick. Secondly, you know, D's played against Paul Pierce. He's played against Ray Allen, and he brought some really unique insight into just how good Ray Allen is. Um, he flat out said this is a brilliant move, a great move. The Celtics are a playoff contender right now, as currently constituted, and that Ray Allen's a real deal. And to hear that from somebody who had a solid 12-year career really legitimizes, uh, to me, what, what this move was all about. Well, that's that's very interesting. And, and, and he put to bed he put to bed all the all the, the stuff that Michael Wilbon has been spewing the last couple of days about what it's like to be an African-American athlete in the city of Boston. And, and, and you know, coming from somebody who is as high-profile as D was here, let's not forget the Celtics haven't had a lot of captains in their day, and D was a captain of this team. You know, he was a major part of this team, and he was kind of the, the, the bridge from the from the big three. Uh, he played with the big three. He played with Reggie Lewis. And he also played for that horrible ML Carr team. So he's, seen, he's kind of seen it all. So he brought a unique perspective of the show tonight. He's one of the few uh, few listeners that's from the upper Midwest area, so I get to see way more Timberwolves basketball than is necessary. And if we can get Kevin Garnett, we've got to throw everything we have at him. He would be, we might only have a, you know, a three-year window of opportunity to do anything with him, but he would be a joy to behold in a Celtics uniform. He plays basketball the right way, and it's easily one of the best players of our generation. He's We're going to bring on Fabio Anderle from Celtics Nation, an Italian Celtics pride right now. Uh, Fabio, are you with us? Hi guys, nice to talk to you again. Yes, you're doing a great, jo- a great job tonight. Really great show. Excellent. I'm glad you've been enjoying it. Have you been up all night listening? Well, actually, I took a little nap from uh, 11 <laughs> p.m. to 2 a.m. So I'm uh, here. Uh, this is the third hour uh, following the show for me here. Wow. So you've been up since 2 a.m. listening to the show. I'll tell you what. Right now, that is a Celtics diehard. Try to match that. Somebody, somebody, <laughs> try to match that tonight. It ain't happening. Fabio, what are your thoughts on uh, on tonight so far? And then I'll let JB. I know he's got a couple of questions he really wants to get in but you know just give us a summary of what you think so far about the picks and the trade and um, you know go from there well I think that we needed uh, a big body in the to improve our point guard the um, so we had the both these things but we had it at the second round level and uh, um, it's it's what we wanted I think it's what Danny Ainge wanted from our draft but uh, on the first round pick we got a little puzzled here in Italy because we thought that uh, um, we would have drafted a, a young guy and instead we, get, we ended up with Ray Allen. 
I know um, everybody's saying that Ray Allen is an improvement over Wallis Serbiak, but I don't think we have solved our problems uh, under the basket. So I'm a little puzzled. <laughs> uh, the, the, the Italian Celtics fans' first reaction was uh, of uh, disappointment. And somebody even said that Danny Ainge was forced to make this trade because uh, Paul Pierce pressed him into, into a corner. Uh, While well, we should have drafted somebody like Brennan Wright or Joaquin Noah and so on. Well, I, I think that... Uh, with the uh, Rattles back problems and Olo Candice becoming a free agent I'm not sure that Glenn Davis is the, re- the right answer probably Powell will end up playing more minutes and uh, we'll see how it will be if uh, Kevin Garnett trade doesn't pan out and Doc Rivers has an, another problem to deal with right now he's got to coach uh, Ray Allen and Alan Ray <laughs> So, <laughs> and what do you think of Gabe Pruitt? Do you know anything about him at all? Well, I, I saw him play a couple of times this uh, this winter, and uh, it, it, it seems to be a, a, a very poised point guard. He likes to play some shooting guard too at times, and is a good uh, a good outside shooter. And it seems very very smart. But it, it's uh, at NCAA level, so I don't know if he can uh, do the same things he did in California with the Boston Celtics. And uh, were you surprised to see Marco Bellinelli go so high at 18, or was that something you kind of expected? Well, honestly, a year ago I expected him to go even higher. I thought he was uh, even better than uh, uh, Yi Lian, the Chinese power forward. But uh, the last season in the Italian league, uh, Marco Bellinelli wasn't able to uh, lead his team to the playoffs, and so I was. Uh, it, it went. It went pretty pretty bad. It, it, everything went pretty bad for him after the World Championship in Japan, where he played a, an awesome uh, championship, an awesome tournament. I hoped he kept uh, sliding to our range, but uh, unfortunately, Golden State got uh, got to grab him uh, before we 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 could. One of the guys that we've been talking about for four or five years uh, was taking the splitter by San Antonio, perhaps <laughs> to replace Oberto. Um, do you think they made a mistake there? I'm not sure they they should uh, replace Oberto. I have always liked, liked the Argentinian power forward because he was a, a smart player, a very heady player. Honestly, Thiago Splitter never impressed me. Mm, yes, he's a seven-footer, he's a good shot blocker, and if he gets the ball in the paint, he can dunk it. But maybe it's me, I like big men with some finesse around the basket. Uh, maybe he was too much of a Kevin McHale fan as a player. I need to become fond of a center, I need to see that a little drop step move or a nice hook shot or um, a jump shot I, I need something more from uh, from a, a, a tall man uh, Are there anybody else out there or any other overseas players Fabio that haven't gone yet that maybe won't get drafted and or we could sign them as a free agent? Well I, they've talked a lot about Mark Gasol uh, the Pau Gasol's brother and I think that should I have taken a, a seven footer from Europe I, w- I would have uh, drafted Gasol instead of a splitter because even if he's uh, still quite raw actually is is uh, physically uh, a, a big body but with not a lot of strength is very competitive and is uh, um, a player who likes to do the small things to make to keep his his team going he lacks uh, physical strength uh, like uh, like splitter but he's smarter than splitter is 
I like his uh, Gallinari, an Italian uh, six foot, uh, six foot eight, uh, small forward, who is very, very high on uh, on the scouts list for the next uh, for the next draft. Uh, he's playing uh, for Milano which was Mike D'Antoni's former team, and uh, he's making a good impression to, to all the NBA scouts here. And now we conclude this three-part series revisiting the 2007 Celtic Stuff Live draft night show with the full, unedited interview with award-winning on-air voice of the Boston Celtics, Mike Gorman. For staff writer Eddie Santiago, program director Larry H. Russell, and the founder of CLNS Radio, Nick Gelso, I'm Justin Poulin. We hope you will join us tonight for live coverage of the 2016 NBA Draft on CLNS Radio. Roll the credits. But, um, you know, I just, I, I'm, I'm all for this trade. I, I do think Elrod made some really good points at the end of the show that possibly the Celtics overpaid a little bit. But, uh, you know, it depends on your opinion of Big Baby, too, because uh, you never know. It might not work out that way uh, in the end when you really reevaluate the trade. And, uh, you know, Delonte West could wind up being injured um, for a decent part of his career. And then, you know, maybe you don't look back at that and think it's a total bust. But, hey, um, we're going to have to give Delonte the wire hand. Goodbye. Why you hang And uh, Delonte, thanks for uh, all your time with the Celtics. Uh, we appreciate it. Actually, we are going to go to the Doc Rivers feed. Behind moving the five overall pick to end up getting Ray Allen with other parts of the deal as well. Well, we just like, obviously, the Ray Allen pick. Uh, we, we like the fact that when you look at Ray Allen uh, and Paul Pierce, I think they fit together. Uh, Ray's been a two most of his life. Paul's been a three. Uh, having Al Jefferson along with that gives us three terrific offensive players uh, and three terrific finishers. So that's one of the things we're looking at. And it's not just about the starting. You know, in the past, when we've taken Paul Pierce out of games, we've had a deficit. We've had a scoring problem. Well, we shouldn't have that anymore. Uh, Ray's still on the floor or Al's still on the floor. So it helps us in that way. And, guys, we needed some veterans. Uh, and, and adding a veteran like Ray is good. All right, that's Doc Rivers. Uh, we're not going to play too much of that feed, but, uh, you know, just uh, let's get our final thoughts from you two, and then we'll close out the show. Um, JB, what uh, what are your thoughts on the trade, the players selected, wrap-up tonight? Have you had a chance to even process it? Well, you know, look, uh, everything is uh, speculative, and, uh, you know, is he going to be a great player, or is he going to be a bust? And, and maybe we'll say in three years uh, this was the worst thing uh, the Celtics ever did. It was another Rick Tino move, or, you know, uh, is Ray Allen in three years uh, still putting up uh, 15, 20 points a game? And, uh, you know, who the hell knows? But, uh, you know, it, it, it right now, if this is the only move, it looks like uh, Doc and, and Danny did exactly what uh, Danny said yesterday that they were not going to do. They weren't about worried about... Uh, um, the salaries that they had enough money they weren't going to make a move that the player that they were giving up uh, wouldn't be better than the player they were getting in two years um, seems to me uh, that's exactly what they've done um, in two years uh, I don't think Ray Allen is going to be much have much left and uh, you know we got him for uh, one more year two more years after that he's, he's here for four is it four 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 years this year and three, three more three years 
Three, two, this year and two more. Yeah. All right. You know, so we're going to be stuck with that contract. Uh, maybe it's an expiring contract. Maybe they can move it. Um, we'll see. If, if if they really went all out and, and brought in Garnett or Gasol um, with, with Ratliff's contract and somehow, you know, if they could keep Jefferson, but I think that's a dream. I think to get one of those two players, they're going to have to give up Jefferson. And then you decide, uh, is, is two years of contending for championship uh, worth uh, everything they've been building for the last three or four years? Uh, I don't know. Um, I, I, I would say uh, if that's the only part of the move, I don't do it. Well, this is um, here's what's aggravating to me about this is that for the last you know eight weeks since this since the season ended, we've been fed a line of yeah, well, we need to get better defensively. We need to get uh, we need some bigs. You know, we you know we need to have a, a defensive uh, stopper there on the wing, and we got none of that tonight. And uh, no one can convince me the big baby is the answer, um, even a rotation, any more than a rotation guy. I, I, I'm severely disappointed right now. Until I see something else, you know, and that's where I'm going to be. I, I think that we're being fed a line of, well, I'll let you guys characterize it how you want, but we're being fed this, and, and I, you know, I don't know what the plan is right now. I don't, I, you know, I hope there's a plan here, but I don't see it. And, you know, this is year four of the Ainge era, and I'm waiting. I'm waiting for something. I'm hoping. Hoping that that, that uh, Ray Allen will will be able to, to add some spark and keep teams uh, guessing offensively between those three guys, as Doc said. But you know what? If you can't stop anybody, who cares? You know, we've seen it. You know, when they win, they stop guys, and when they don't, they lose. And they lost a lot of games last year, and it's roughly the same team, other than you don't have Delonte West. So. <laughs> I, I it just it, it you know until I see something else it's 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 a fail it's a failed failed uh, experiment and we need to have you know let's build in a positive direction here you know and and well right. I'll tell you what I I like the trade versus what would have been available to us at five and you know it's funny I, I don't know if you guys realize but we the three of us all flip flop from our position I was a little more skeptical when it happened earlier but as as the night wore on I, I warmed up to it and I I, I got to say I felt like. The two of you were a lot more warm to the deal, but by the end of the night, we're a lot more skeptical. I think, um, you know, but one thing we, all three of us have in common is that, you know, we want this to be a, a precursor to another deal and preferably keeping Al Jefferson and maybe downgrading from a Garnett, but putting ourselves in contention and uh, still having some pieces for the future. I think uh, we're, we'll, we'll get to see if that's what's going to happen, but I think we should uh, probably shut down, you know, shut down the night, I think. I don't know. What, well, it looks like Gorman wants to join us so uh you know maybe we'll uh maybe we'll close out with gorman he's available there's there's no reason there's no reason not to bring on mike gorman we are going to overtime why not and we are going wow. to overtime <laughs> you know mike uh, i i played this already but uh you know we're just gonna let you know and we are going wow. to overtime <laughs> yeah that's how tonight went. Yeah, <laughs> you're not kidding. What to, maybe give us just your, your final summary of the night. Have you had a chance to kind of sit on it and, and get some perspective now that everything's kind of died down and settled a little bit, at least for now? Well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just trying to do that. I tell you that I, I do. The more I think about the Ray Allen deal, the more I like it. Uh, again, as we had talked earlier, I, I, it, it's tough to say goodbye to Delonte because, you know, Delonte's a character, and I also think he's a good player. Um, I don't think he's as good a player as Ray, as Ray Allen, and I don't think he's as good 
good a player as Ray Allen will be for the next two or three years. So um, the fact that we can now put Paul Pierce and Ray Allen out on the floor together uh, offensively without Jefferson makes this a very, very good offensive basketball team. And I think one of the problems the Celtics had a lot at the end of last year, and, and this wasn't Paul Pierce's fault necessarily because defenses converged on him, but they didn't have a lot of answers in the closing minutes of games. And in Ray Allen, I think they truly get a guy who is a finisher who could not only make big shots, but is a career 85-plus percent free-throw shooter who will get to the line and will make shots down the stretch. So, I mean, obviously, I think the Celtics made themselves better tonight. Um, I did get a chance just a few minutes ago, which is why I hadn't had a chance to get back to you guys, to sit down and talk with Danny um, and Doc both at some length. Uh, they're both very high on this kid, Pruitt, uh, that they think can probably come in and take Delonte's spot on the roster that they got at the 32nd pick. And the general belief is that they, you know, if Glenn Davis had come out a couple of years ago, he's probably a top 10, 12 pick. Um, and they like him a lot. He was a 2010 guy in college. He's another one of these guys like Leon Poe who put up great numbers in college but didn't get a whole lot of respect for scouts. Um, so they think that they might have got a little bit of a steal with Davis. We'll see very quickly in the summer league how he plays and whether he's any good. But, you know, all in all, I think it was a good night for the Celtics. I, I, you know, there's a part of me that wanted ye. Um, because I just think he's kind of fascinating. I think he would have brought a lot of buzz to the team, and I think he has the potential to be a very, very good player in time. But by the time he was a very good player, Paul Pierce probably would not be a very good player anymore or certainly be on the downside of his career. So I understand what the Celtics are, are trying to do. They're trying to make the most out of Paul Pierce's most productive years, which they hope are in the next couple of years. And by putting Ray Allen beside him, I, you know, you have to think that they improved. I, I mean, here's the, the bottom line I come out of this is, it's a very long-winded answer, and I apologize, but the bottom line I come out of this with is if the Celtics are able to get 70-plus games out of Pierce, out of Allen, and out of Jefferson, then they have no excuses to not be a playoff. And that, yeah, that, I think, that's, I think that's, that's right, Mike. I, th I think uh, this gets them into the playoffs. We're kind of hoping that there's another move coming. We talked earlier about them holding on to Ratliff's contract. You said you just talked to Danny and Doc today. They give you any indication that there's something else in the works? Well, Danny, Danny did. Danny told me that there are that there are more deals to be made. That he feels this roster needs to be tweaked a little more and will be. I think they need to get bigger and tougher. Those are the two adjectives that uh, Danny and Doc both used to me uh, in terms of the improvement that they would ultimately like to make to this team. Doc talked about he thinks that Theo Ratliff may actually be able to give us something this year because of the obvious motivation of a guy being in the last year of his contract. And Theo is a guy who thinks that he probably has another contract in him somewhere. So you know, we may actually see Theo Ratliff and, and, and some flashes of who the Theo Ratliff was in the past this year, and that certainly would be a big help. But I also think his contract is, is a big bargaining chip that uh, you know Danny will be trying to use over the next couple of months. You know, again, I'm not sure the Celtics, I, I, you know, you we have all talked about this before. I'm just not a big Garnett guy. I understand all the pluses that Garnett brings, but I mean, I, I still would prefer to have Alex right now to Kevin Garnett right now. But I think the Celtics are going to continue to pursue Kevin Garnett and with Al Jefferson in their arsenal and with Theo's contract in their arsenal, they get a shot. So we'll, we'll see how Kevin McHale is able to ultimately able to work that out. But if, if, they're, if they don't make the Garnett deal, I don't think that necessarily means they don't make any deal. Yeah. Um, I, I think they're going to still try to improve this team now Well, it certainly looks like they have enough offense right now to, to outscore anybody out there, just about maybe outside of Phoenix. Everyone else, I think they can outscore. Mike, I mean, do you think, did you get any set of, I mean, certainly bigger and stronger and meaner? That's right in my wheelhouse. I, I, the, my, my problem, I think, was if this is the last deal, it's an unfinished roster. 
But, oh, I think but, Dan, Danny, would, Danny would tell you, I think, that it's enough. He feels he has to get bigger, have to get bigger. I mean, the Celtics still have problems. I mean, unless Theo were to come back and suddenly give you 70 games, you know, the Celtics have problems when Al Jefferson and, and Kenneth Perkins get in foul trouble. There's no more big yeah. So, I, I, yeah, I do think this roster is still unfinished, and I, and I think they have to get bigger. Do you think that, so they're possibly, and I, and I, I know you, it's probably, this is speculation on your part here, but, you know, possibly they would be look to possibly, hopefully, make a deal where they use some of the other parts on the roster to add to a front line with Al Jefferson. Do you think that would be their, their first their first their 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 wish and their hope here's the impression that i got nobody said this directly to me but the impression i got is that the only player out there that they would consider moving out jefferson for is kevin garnett if they can't get kevin garnett they will continue to try to improve this roster and try to get another big yeah. but it won't be with al jefferson as being any part of the conversation and i don't think rajon rondo will be any part of any conversation beautiful <laughs> i like that answer that's great yeah, well, I, you know, Danny Danny pretty much said that to me and said that to other members of the media just 10 minutes ago that were still there, that... Um you know that, that he that he understands you can't you can't be sitting there with the second worst record in all of basketball and talking about all the untouchable players you have. That just wouldn't make any sense. Um, but it's going to be very very hard for anybody to get their hands on either Rondo or, um, or or Al Jefferson. There was some talk that Seattle wanted Rondo, was willing to throw in Swift if Rondo was part of the deal. And, and, and my belief is that the Celtics said no. Yeah, I got one more uh, question, uh, Mike. If, if we're left I got a, with... I got a long drive in front of me, guys. I'll, okay. I'll, be, I'll hang around here for as long as you want. Well, that, that sounds contradictory, Mike. If you want to go, please. We'll, we'll, we'll... <laughs> no, I, no I, I'm in my car right now, so I'm driving. Oh, oh, no, that's oh, what I he's saying. Okay. Yeah, he's saying <laughs> right, he'll stay sure. on as long um, as we want, JB. <laughs> if, if uh, you know, we're, we're expecting Paul and uh, Ray Allen to play uh, 35 minutes a night. Well, what happens to uh, Ryan Gomes, Gerald Green, and uh, Tony Allen when he comes back? Where do, where do they get minutes? That's a very good question. I asked Doc about that. His feeling was that if Tony Allen is able to come back at 100% of what he was when he got hurt, that they'll find a way to get Tony Allen minutes. And he would say that as of right now, he would see the two, three minutes being divided between Paul, Ray Allen, and uh, Tony. And then everybody else, including Gerald Green, has to earn their minutes. You know, Gerald Green's a, a guy that nobody has talked about tonight, uh, or at least, you know, at least around the draft, nobody was talking about him. But I think, you know, Gerald, again, if, if everybody is being straight with me and Al Jefferson legitimately can only be traded for Kevin Garnett, otherwise there are no conversations, then the only guy really left on the roster that you go pairing with the Theo Ratliff contract to try to make a move is Gerald Green. Absolutely. That's exactly where I was just going to go. And I mean, they probably can include some future picks as well. I mean, at this point where they're headed, you know, I'm not saying that future picks aren't valuable, but they could probably sacrifice a couple to entice, um, you know, people into, um, you know, making a deal with Gerald Green. And there's some other pieces on this squad as well. I think the conventional wisdom before tonight was that Delonte West and Ryan Gomes would be great six and seven men off the bench that could spell point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, um, which was really nice. Now we don't have that with Delonte West. It looks like they're thinking Gabe Pruitt can do that. But I'm concerned about Ryan Gomes being included in one of these deals, too. I know that people think that he's a little underrated. I mean, you know, that he is a little underrated, and maybe, you know, a lot of teams don't necessarily um, value him as much as the Celtics do. Do you see him as kind of the consummate professional coming in off the bench and uh, a guy that the Celtics, you know, value in the role that he's in and 
and maybe try to hold on to him in any way possible? I do think they'll try to hold on to him now. I, I had some doubts before the draft, especially when the kid Green's name was being mentioned so much out of Georgetown. Uh, but, it, you know, it's interesting. I mean, Seattle obviously wanted the Celtics to take Green because they, they followed Seattle's instructions as to who they wanted at number five. And yet, I, I have a lot of good sources from my old days in the Big East Conference, and I have a couple of guys who I really trust who, who see a ton of Big East basketball. And both of them told me before this draft that, that Jeff Green is not as good as Ryan Gong. Wow. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, that was my reaction, too. But, I mean, these guys are guys who, I mean, they have no axe to grind against Georgetown or Fort Providence. They're just Big East guys. They've been Big East guys for 25 years. I actually heard, I heard the same things, Mike, from a couple of different sources. Yeah. So I, so I think the fact that the Celtics didn't, you know, end up with Green is probably very good news for Ryan Gomes right now. Mike, have you? I know it's been a lot of names, a lot of rumors, a lot of everything. Um, again, I'm stuck on this big talking about bigs, and <laughs> I mean, is there somebody? I mean, at this point, like I said earlier, I, they don't need scoring out of that position, out of either the center or the power forward position. They just need somebody who can rebound, block shots, and defend. That sounds like Kendrick Perkins. But I think they also need a defend, you know, a, a veteran who can do that. Is there somebody who, you know, I know that that Marcus Camby's name is somebody who who has come about, and I don't know if you ever ran across him, you know, in doing college games or whatever. But uh, is he somebody that interests you, or or maybe Jamal McGlore, or any of those kind of saying, you know, exciting you at all? No, they really don't. Um, <laughs> I've never been a big Camby guy, and I think he wants too much money, and I, I think McGlore is a bit of a stiff. I, I I think what the Celtics need to try to find is a uh, a Rodman type of player. Um, like Gerald Wallace. I, I, was, I, was, I, I was enamored by this kid uh, who played for BC, uh, who the Nets ended up taking at 17. Sean Williams. Uh, that, yes, yeah. I, I think, you know, I mean, obviously, the, the, you know, kid's got a bit of a marijuana problem, but, uh, you know, if we locked up all the people with a bit of a marijuana problem, the streets would be empty. So I, I just don't think that uh, that's that big a hurdle with him if they can, if he, you know, he just kind of matures and grows up a little bit. Um, and he, he would be the type of talent that I think they, they need, which is a shot blocker, rebounder, defender who doesn't need to take more than five or six shots over the course of the game. Now, I, you know, I have to sit down with the NBA register and try to, try to find guys that, yeah. that they could do that with. Um, but uh, that's the kind of player I think they need to add to this roster, a 6'8", six, 6'9", six, guy who's willing to do a lot of dirty work. Yeah. Athletic, too. That, that's, I mean, not to say Al Jefferson isn't athletic, but, but there's, you know, there's certain freak athletic guys like Stromile Swift and these guys, and I think Al and, and Perk struggle somewhat when they when they match up with those that type of player. Yeah, I think I think athleticism would be a uh, would be a nice addition. I agree with you on that. Um, you know, and you know, will I, I know it sounds you know like a reach, but I mean they'll put together a summer league roster here now. I mean, I mean if Danny told me once tonight, Danny told me a half dozen times. Mike, I'm not through. I'm not through after this trade. I'm not through. We're going to continue to make moves this summer to make this roster better. So, you know, as as much of a roller coaster it's been for Celtics fans to go through not getting the one or two pick and then waiting the month here and now coming up with the draft here tonight and then trading it for Ray Allen and having to digest all that, I still think we're early in this story as to what this Celtic team is going to look like this year. I I, I think we're going to see one, two, at least two more new faces added to this team, faces that have a legitimate chance of being on this roster uh, and contributing before we get the training. Well, that's excellent. Um, now, you're going to be out in Las Vegas. You're going to be watching some of these two new uh, the big guys playing. Is that right? 
Yeah, I'm going to go to Vegas on the 5th, and I'm going to stay out there for 10 days and watch all the games, yeah. Do you know who else might be going there from, that's you know, that's on the roster from last year? I think it's just the first two years that they're eligible for Vegas, or is it three? Yeah, yeah, I think Londo will go. Uh, I think you can get away with three, because I, I, I've never seen some older, older guys out there playing last year. Um, I, I think Rondo will be on the roster. I think Leon Poe will be on the roster. Um, I think Perk actually could be on the roster, provided there isn't an eligibility uh, problem there uh, in terms of how how many times you can go. Uh, obviously, the kids, the two kids from the second round, will be on the roster, um, and I think there'll probably be a few more additions that they'll uh, that they're probably on the phones with right now. I mean, it, when I left there 15 minutes ago, there were still three, four people on the phone. So I, I'm sure what they're doing is calling uh, as soon as the second round ended, starting to call undrafted players to see whether they can get them on summer league rosters to get a better look at them. Excellent. And I wanted to say that I'm really excited to hear that FSN's going to be broadcasting those games. I just wanted to get that out to our listeners who may not have caught it because that's like a first time thing. And, and we've always been disappointed because when we get a chance to watch them, they're, you know, they're delayed weeks and you've already looked at the box scores. You already know what's going to happen. And uh, this is this is really um, a big commitment on the part of Fox Sports Net to the Celtics fans. And, uh, you know, I just, you know, on behalf of all the fans and the, and the listeners in the pit, I just want to say if you could pass it on to... To the, to the people you work with that this is a really big move and, and we really appreciate it um, you know because most of the people listening tonight have stuck through this team through some really difficult times and uh, you know we love uh, Las Vegas represents hope as much as any trade does on draft night and um, you know those little tidbits uh, mean a lot and I think you I think that your organization has done a lot to endear itself to the fans with this move well thanks I appreciate that and, and Fox appreciate that soon to be Comcast we appreciate that um, it's it just a couple of things. It's just I, I know you guys. I like to try to pass on things that you guys, you know, weren't at press conferences and able to hear. Uh, Danny at the press conference afterwards tonight uh, twice said, "We have no excuses anymore," we, which is really good to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, no more, no more of this. Well, we're young. None of this stuff. It's like we have no excuses now. We need to go win this year, and and so that's a that, that, that's a really nice challenge. I know I, every you say, "Well, every team starts the year saying that they're going to win." Well, that's not really true. A lot of teams start the year in reverse, saying, well, we're young, you know, it's going to take time, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I'm not hearing any of that. I'm hearing, like, we have to win right now. And as much as I was fascinated when we began this conversation uh, with the idea of having E come in and, and watching him develop, I, I you know, I, I got to admit as a guy who sits there 80-plus nights a year talking about these games, I'd much rather win. Um, I, I, I've watched people develop, and now I want to watch people win. Um, and I think by getting Ray Allen tonight, we came a lot closer to being a factor in the Eastern Conference right away. Yeah, I, absolutely. And and certainly knowing that it's unfinished, there's unfinished business, I guess, for Danny E. That does ease my mind, at least. And I would imagine when we had Steve Bullpett on earlier, he, he seemed to feel that things were going to progress and we would know some things in the early part of next week of, you know, teams are talking to and the, and the rumors would continue. So uh, that... That that I think is a Celtics fan who you know was was hoping to address some some question marks on the roster and this answered some but not really the the big question marks that we had knowing that there's that they're still looking that they aren't feeling as though that there's well now that's done we can look towards you know September and October that that is that is encouraging. You know what the ultimate irony is is next Friday night when the Celtics play their first game in the Las Vegas Summer League they're going to play against Greg Oden in Portland. That is ironic, Mike. <laughs> 
and, and not only that, but they're going to be playing against Pateri Capone too. Yeah. He, was, yeah. he, he was he was traded from the Sixers to Portland before the draft was over. This <laughs> has been JB's draft, Vicky. We all picked uh, you know a player to kind of just you know fall in love with and tout and hope that the Celtics picked up. And I got to tell you, we were just a few picks away from the Celtics having a chance, and and then uh, you know they nabbed him, and, and JB's heart was broken, Mike. If you if you only could have seen him. This is the what the, the kick from Helsinki. Yeah. That's right. Yes, yes. Yeah. We wanted we wanted somebody that was uh, willing to come and uh, play in a cold weather city. And just... <laughs> see, that's a great way to attack that problem. I think that's a great way to attack. It. We ought to get up there to Siberia and see what we can find. <laughs> I don't know, Mike. Gosh. Uh... I think I'm starting to wind down. We're getting here into the seventh hour, and um, yeah, but, you know, yeah. can I ask you guys a question, though? Absolutely. What's what's the general reaction been tonight from from all the fans that you've been in touch with? Good, bad, and different. I think um, uh, at first, most people were very excited. Um, I heard a lot of good things, and I think that you know, most of the fan base kind of stayed that way. But um, I can tell you, like, I was a little skeptical at the beginning of the night. I was not happy so much when I was first hearing the rumors of the trade. I actually heard them on, let's see, I I, I caught wind of this uh, Allen rumor, I guess it was on Wednesday, because um, I actually reported it um, on some small Bangor station up in Bangor, Maine. I told them that this was going to go down, that this is what I was hearing. And, uh, you know, they were kind of like, oh, that's intriguing. That's kind of out of left field. I said, yeah, you know, it is, so I don't really know. You get a lot of noise on the internet. You know, I'm not going to pretend that I have years and years of experience in contacts. This is just something that I happen to hear. And the more I thought about it over the next couple of days, I was really against it. And at the time, I thought it was Theo Ratliff um, almost straight up. I don't I don't even think I had the number five pick, but I was kind of a little concerned about, um, you know, the age and the size of the contract and stuff like that. But I can tell you that over the course of the night, I, I, I've really warmed up to this. I, I have been convinced that there's a, a Another deal in play, and even if not, I think it's a, a nice upgrade over Wally. And uh, you know, you take on a few extra years, but I think you get a more talented player, a healthier player. And um, you know, I don't think you really sacrifice. I know that you sacrifice the five and Delonte West, but you know, I, I do think it's a significant upgrade. And that and Paul goes back to the position he should be playing. But uh, you know, at the end of the night, we spoke with Elrod Enchilada, and I don't know if you've read any of his uh, work over at Real GM, but he writes over there and. Um, he was a little, uh, you know, he's been writing all week, basically, that he's been concerned about, you know, making moves that would sacrifice the future of this club. And um, he expressed a sentiment that this wasn't such a good idea. And, and we did catch a caller, uh, or I caught a caller in between um, giveaways during uh, the draft night, um, you know, tickets that we were giving away or the opening night tickets we were giving away. And um, he, he was not too happy about it. So I think that JB and John really summed it up before you came on just to say that, you know, They'll be disappointed if there isn't a subsequent deal, but it, that would make it a little easier to take um, and more understandable. I don't know, John. What do you want to elaborate? Yeah, no, I, and I think you know some of my earlier questions to you might kind of elaborate on that a little bit. You know, I, the, the real need, as I've as I've seen with this team, is defense. The, you know, the reason that that great game in, in San Antonio, you know, where they they pulled it out, they had the tough game against Dallas, and I think it was the next night they were in San Antonio, they pulled the win out, yeah. and it was it was those stops down the stretch that 
you know, against a veteran club that knew how to do, you know, how to pull out those games. That was, they were doing things that they, they weren't doing any other time of the year. And I'm thinking, oh yeah, this is what it was like. You know, I remember when I was a little kid, I remember, I remember back when I was a little boy watching, you know, <laughs> you and Tommy and, <laughs> and seeing Larry and Kevin and Parrish and DJ and they'd get stops and they'd win games. And it's been so long yep. since, since that we've had that ability, that feeling, you know, I mean, during the O'Brien years, we had that, but it was it was so quick that it was gone before we knew it. And if we could sustain that again, then and of course at, my, at that time I'm thinking, well, Greg Oden will help that great a great deal. You know, obviously, you know, <laughs> Ray Allen isn't Greg Oden. You know, we aren't coming out of tonight with Greg Oden, but but if you know, the the whole package in a veteran club, you know, we can improve the defense. That's that's certainly, uh, but that's that's my concern defensively. You know, we can score as much as we want, but you got to stop the other team too. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I, 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 I disagreed with some of the writers who were telling me tonight, like, what are we doing? We don't need more scoring. I, I always think you need more scoring. Um, but, but I agree with you. You have to, to be a serious player in this league, and by player I'm referring to a team as opposed to an individual, right. you have to be good defensively. I mean, you just, just look at the teams that get as far as they get in the NBA playoffs every year, and inevitably the final four teams are, are four solid defense teams. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting with Tony Brown gone now. Tony Brown was kind of known as he was supposed to be the defensive guy. It was his defensive scheme. It was his defensive uh, philosophy that the Celtics were working under a couple of years. He's gone. They. Um, it'll be interesting to see what this new coaching staff or this coaching staff that is new without Tony around um, comes up with and, and, and what kind of a defensive team we have. I mean, we Again, in the East, you've got to play defense to win. And in the West, you could probably go a long way. You know, as they Denver Nuggets team did eventually gets eliminated, but have a fairly exciting season by never playing too much defense without scoring. But uh, if you're going to be any good, you got to defend. And we need more defenders on the team. We just don't have a lot of defenders right now. And it, and it sounds like that's what Danny said that he wants to do. He wants to get bigger and stronger, and it sounds like, you know, and that's what John's hoping for, obviously. JB, you want to yeah. chime in on just kind of how you felt like the, the fan base? Because I didn't get to see a lot of the people in the pit because I was, you know, consumed with, um, you know, just production um, responsibilities, JB. But I know you got a good chance to look at the message boards in the pit. Do you, do you have a pulse uh, yeah, you know, to I, answer I, Mike's question? It was almost unanimously negative, um, and I think, you know, looking at it in a vacuum without whatever those next moves might be <clears throat> it was the age of Ray Allen that factor that uh, we were mortgaging a bit of our future trading away the best draft pick uh, we've had in years and, and maybe we'll get again um, for, for a guy that uh, you know isn't going to get any better um, he might give us one year he might give us two good years but as as the team is constituted it still doesn't look like a championship team um, we, we can't defend anybody now probably even weaker without uh, being able to have Tony Allen or Ryan Gomes on the floor. Both of them are an upgrade over Pierce or Allen defending their positions. And I think we're looking at uh, what we heard uh, last summer when Doc was saying, you know, we're small and we're going to be small. And, you know, uh, I'm, I'm already starting to worry about uh, Paul Pierce uh, starting at the four and Ryan Gomes being the backup at the four. And, you know, uh, another one of these Lilliputian teams that, that might win 45 games, but after after two years of that, uh, where are we? And and we've we're, we're drafting eighteen twenty again, and 
bang, uh, the, the future is gone, the dream is gone, if this is the end game. But, uh, you know, what else have they got up their sleeve? And I think you, you've uh, come on at the right time to give us a little bit of hope. You said that Danny said that over and over again to you over the course of the evening, that he's not done. We all saw that he kept uh, Theo Ratliff, uh, you know, I, I don't like to hear Doc say, well, you know, maybe this is Theo's breakout season. Uh, you know, even even when he was playing for his last contract, I think he only played 40 games or so. Um, but uh, look, uh, you know, we, we, we've got to wait and see. I think uh, Garnett's... Uh, let, me just, let me just jump in, Jamie, because you, you touted earlier that Ratliff was going to play serious minutes this season. So <laughs> you've made this prediction. I know you made it in jest. I just had to jump in. <laughs> So I don't what, think the fandom the, is happy, Mike. What was the general consensus as to who should have been drafted at five? Was it Yee? Was it Green? It was uh, all over the place. Like, I wanted Horford to slip, and some of the rumors that we heard about, you know, the three-way deals, it would have put Minnie at number three, and they would have taken E, and then Conley did go four, and that was the rumor there. I thought Al Horford might make it down. Once Atlanta kept the pick, it was pretty obvious that Horford was going to go to them for the most part, but I was kind of hoping Horford would slip down to them. Um, I think E was, I think I heard a lot of people wanted, um, you know, E, E. And then, uh, you know, Jeff Green, I know John liked Jeff Green. We kind of represented those three. You know, JB was a E guy. I was a Horford guy. And, and, you know, John was a Green guy. So, you know, John's a realist. JB is a dreamer. And uh, I'm the fool. (laughs) Well, even if if we had traded E, and there were a lot of people, you know, that that thought there wasn't really an impact big man there, but uh, we could have traded Yi maybe for a 26 or 27 year old, um, maybe a Paul Gasol, uh, not a 32 year old. And I guess that's the rub with Allen um, is that we just don't see enough years left to build that championship team. That that. Uh, you know, if this was the move, yeah, see, um, I don't agree with that. I mean, I hear the dissenting voices are that way, JB, but I, I, I don't agree with that. I was a little concerned more about money and being hogtied at the beginning of the night, but the more I thought about it over the course of the night, I'm not so worried about it. I mean, you look at these guys, these guys like Ray Allen. You know, you know he's going to play through the end of this contract, and he's going to play decent. And the only thing that's going to keep him going and playing at his absolute full level best is to be on a competing team. I guarantee you that that concern, if he had remained on Seattle, is legit. Now, if Boston does put themselves in a position to go deep into the playoffs, I think it's less of a concern. I think you're going to see a Ray Allen that's motivated to finish out, and he's hungry. You know he's hungry. I don't, I don't think that that's a concern. Him, him playing at a high level for the rest of his contract, is, I'm not worried about that. Uh, Mike, what do you think about that kind of angle as far as, you know, if he'd stayed in Seattle, would we have seen a drop-off versus... You know, you know, they're rebuilding versus, you know, if Boston does make a move? Well, I think, yeah, I think Seattle just obviously wants to send the message to Kevin Durant right away, you're the, you're the man. You're the guy. Um, even though I, I understand now they are making noises about keeping Rashad Lewis, um, I, I, I think that's what they were, the message they were trying to send to their, their newest superstar. Um, I, when you, from a money point of view, I think you're going to read this and hear this in the next couple of days and, and how much money it's going to cost them to get Bray Allen. If, if you take the money that was owed Wally Serbiak and what you were going to have to pay Delonte West and what you were going to have to pay the number five draft pick by what the number five draft pick gets, I think, I think this is only going to cost the Celtics probably about four or five million dollars, which is a staggering number to us, but to these guys it's not. So I, I don't, from a money point of view, the Celtics hurt themselves all that much with this deal. And, and I won't believe, mostly because I've known him since he was a freshman at the University of Connecticut, that, that Ray will continue. 
continue to be the guy that I have known for the last 12 years or whatever it's been, and that is a very, very solid professional who takes very, very good care of his body and probably will play in this league until he's 35, 36 years old, which would give the Celtics three, four more years of Gray, which would kind of fit with, with the Paul Pierce thing. I mean, it's the, we, we keep coming back to when people say, like, why did you make this deal? But, you know, again, Danny said, you may disagree with this, but at least he's very consistent. Danny said, we are committed to Paul Pierce, and we are committed to trying to surround Paul Pierce right now with people that he can win with. And we feel that getting a Ray Allen is a quicker way to get to that goal than putting him out there with E. Um, and, and that does make sense. And I, and I do think there was some, I don't think fear was really the word, but I do think there was some trepidation that they really didn't want to be dealing with some hissy fit that Paul Pierce was going to throw if they didn't make a trade. Yeah. So, um. The upside for them was to go ahead and make the trade, and then and then again try to make more deals over the rest of the summer to, to fill out this roster. But to make the one deal that will just let Paul Pierce exhale and concentrate on getting back in shape and hopefully coming back and having a, a big year. All right, Mike. Um, we still have a number of listeners going strong, but I got to tell you, we we really are coming up on seven hours, and we're getting wiped out. And I want to I want to ask you one <laughs> final question before we wrap up. Danny yeah. didn't work that hard today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You have to be impressed with our fortitude. There's no doubt about it. I am. I'm very uh, impressed with you guys. I always think. Excellent. Well, we really appreciate that. And um, so here's the final question. Since uh, since you mentioned, you know, kind of knowing Ray Allen. You know, uh, can you describe his character and just, you know, tell us off the court, what are the Boston Celtics getting as a person from Ray Allen? And then, um, you know, we'll, we'll wrap the show from there. Okay. You know, I, you, you, you're getting a very a soft-spoken, but a very, very solid, solid guy. Um, always, all through his time at the University of Connecticut and all through his time in the pros, um, everybody from the Milwaukee people I know to the Seattle people, everybody will always tell you what a pleasure he is. He always what a great interview he is, what a good guy he is in the community, and just generally what a good guy he is. <laughs> Uh-oh. That is really yeah, unfortunate, lost, Mike. We, lost, we lost you. <laughs> That's a horrible omen. <laughs> well, I mean, it's time for Saul to go to bed, I guess. Yeah, it is. Wow. Uh, well, you know, that was that was pretty amazing. Um, I'm just, we're just going to close the show. We're going to close it abruptly. Hi, Kevin. Uh, Justin Bullen from Celtics Blog. Um, to say that this win was convincing would be a gross understatement. Um, can you talk about the lift that you get from the Boston fans and just how important it was to win it at home? Since the day I came here, man, um, Adidas put this, uh, this, this this poster board out in the front to sort of, you know, invite me to the city or whatever. And it, it, I mean, it has like over 100,000 signatures on it. I mean, people was got like signatures this size on it, and you can read it. And since day one, man, Paul told me that this city is unlike any other city when it comes to sports and you give them a reason they will jump on and they will be behind you even when you're losing or even when you're going through tough times and I got to see that you know <clears throat> I thought I played in front of some good crowds and um, you know Boston has a special place I'll be forever linked to this city and I'm, and I'm more than grateful for that <laughs>